Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the game, Cox. 107.5, the game. All right, welcome in. It is the Garnet Trust Hour here on the game. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark. We are broadcasting live out at Gold Line Framing in West Columbia. 511 12th Street going to be out here until noon, getting you set for South Carolina Mississippi State course coming up Saturday night at 7.30. Uh, you can listen to right here on the game. Our friend Mark Benoit joining us once again for the Garnish Trust Hour. Jeremy Smith will be joining us a little bit later on in the hour. Mark, uh, first of all, how you doing, and uh, what is your assessment of this season so far? Uh, doing really well. Glad This is my first uh, on-location uh, show right. with 107.5 The Game, so excited to be at Gold Line uh, Framing in West Columbia. Um, a lot of Gamecock stuff here, so if you need your Gamecock framing needs, then come check it out. Absolutely. Uh, but um, obviously disappointed uh, in the start of the season. Um, you know, I I don't think it was out of the realm of possibility that we we could be one and seven or one and two right now. Right. Um, but I think specifically being in two fourth quarter games with kind of chances to win, or uh, and then not being able to get over the hump was probably a little is probably the most disappointing thing. Um, I think going into last week, if you had asked anybody that you'd be down three at the start of the fourth quarter going into the Georgia game, then most people would be excited. Uh, but uh, I think the way it kind of happened was probably a little bit of a disappointment for uh, fans. I was there. Um, the fans stayed late. They were they were hopeful. Uh, but uh, we uh, we want to make sure that we got to finish off those ball games. And, and I think that, that Coach Beamer will do that as the season moves forward. You almost said uh, one and seven there. Yeah, we're not Wait, one and seven. Yeah, yeah so I don't know. I don't know why I had there. the number seven in my head. That that'll be a little tougher, I think, than one and two. <laughs> I won't be able to raise much money for Garnet Trust for one and seven. <laughs> yeah, let, let's hope we don't get to that point. <laughs> so let's get let's go with Garnet Trust and uh, and kind of the latest there. I know y'all have been busy, been uh, wheels up, and you just got back from D.C. Uh, this morning. Yes, actually. So uh, I know that there's been a lot of NIL discussions up on Capitol Hill lately. What? What's the latest on the NIL front up in D.C.? Uh, it is being talked about more than I probably thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the government's about to shut down, um, and so I figured that that would be the the topic of conversation, and it definitely was. But um, there were there were very many folks who were interested in, in having an NIL discussion. Um, I think that uh, the legislators in D.C. have been put in a little bit of a predicament because they're they're hearing from all sorts of, of folks right they, they've got uh, the athletic administrators they got the NCAA um, you've got the conference commissioners uh, and now collectives are, are at the table and that's the biggest thing we joined a group called the collective association uh, along with 21 other schools um, from across the the country um, it's a group of collectives that are here to, to advocate for collectives um, and so um, we were a part of that organization that that went. There were six schools that were represented in D.C., um, and we were part of that group that went up there and got to actually meet with a couple of elected officials um, and some of the staff just to try to make sure 
they are still in the beginning stages of this, and we want to make sure that uh, collectives have a seat at the table. So obviously these conversations have been going on for a while with the representatives up there in Washington. Was it difficult for you all to finally get a seat at the table, or what was the process of that happening? Uh, no, I am fortunate. I had a little bit of a political background, um, so I've, I had some, had some good connections there to help us get in the door in a couple places. Um, but... Uh, no, I think everybody's willing to have the conversation. The biggest thing is that there was a hearing in the House uh, Committee on Small Business uh, with uh, Gene Smith and Jeremiah Dittinaleo, who is the uh, athletic director at Texas Christian TCU, um, along with uh, a couple other folks on the on the panel who um, we were a little disappointed we were not included uh, in that um, hearing, but I will say – uh, we were there, we were present, um, and we actually talked to the chairman of the committee afterwards, and, and he said, he even said something at the end of the committee meeting, he's like, he kind of felt like the collectives were getting beat up a little bit, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that sometimes, because it is so new, collectives are a new thing, people don't necessarily realize uh, what is, what they do and what, what their purpose is, um, and he actually even made a point at the very end of the of the hearing to say, you know, what's your opinion of collectives to the athletic directors? And both athletic directors said, listen, we, we love working with our collective. They're going to do things on the up and up. Um, and and I think that Coach Tanner and our administration here at South Carolina feel the same way about Garnet Trust. Yeah, I, I took note of that during the hearing that, A, um, collectives weren't invited to have a seat at the table. It was, what, a two-hour hearing, uh, I think. Yeah, a little, yeah. Over, little over an hour and a half. House yeah. Committee on Small Business. And um, no athlete representation. No athlete representation. Seems strange to me, right? Because, and and tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, look, this is not atypical. I mean, and and that some people that are involved in things are excluded, you know, at the highest level. But what what we know is NIL affects athletes, right? It obviously affects administrators. It affects schools. It, you know, you could argue maybe it affects fans in some ways too. But it affects the athletes first and foremost. And then collectives, we know, have driven the vast majority of NIL dollars, right? Like you think about NIL, well, what is it? It's, it's brand activations, and then it's individuals. And so a lot of that has come through collectives. And I think, I don't know, Mark, roughly, what is it, two-thirds or so of NIL dollars have been collective activations yeah, somewhere around yeah, there? Yeah, somewhere in that range. Somewhere network. in that range, and the, and the projections kind of continue that way. So my, I guess my question, I don't know if you can answer, why would the two – Groups, the two entities that have had the most to do with this, not be invited to talk about it. Yeah, I can't speak on the student athlete perspective right. of it, obviously, but I think the the bigger question or the bigger thing that we probably got out of the out of the meetings in D.C. were we have to have a bigger voice there. Collectives have to have a bigger voice there, and I think yesterday or Tuesday and Wednesday um, were a big step in that right direction. I mean, I, we we stacked our calendar. Um, we had eight. Uh, meetings with either con con congressmen or congressional staff um, or senators and their senator staff um, and uh, we've just got to be a we've got to do a better job of being there being present um, and making sure that they understand the importance of collectives I heard something the other day and I can't properly credit but it was I think it was on a podcast and it was just in the void of information comes disinformation right and so I, to me it seems like some of these congressmen, who have maybe they have kind of a surface level understanding of NIL or they've read some things, they've read some negative headlines, and because it's such a topic of conversation, you know, as as a political figure, maybe you gravitate towards it and say, okay, we, we've got to address this somehow. How do I address it? But some of the rhetoric that I heard about collectives yesterday, 
you know, what is it, leeches and, you know, these Hocus Pocus, Hocus was, Pocus was one of the words used. Yeah, these different things. And so is it just about, like you said, collectives being able to talk with these people directly so they are more educated? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. and, and that's a that's a big part of it. I mean, I think, you know, we sat down with Senator Graham uh, from South Carolina and, and we walked through exactly how our process works. Um, you know, he, he, he even gave the scenario, okay, like, what if I give you money? How does, how's it, how's it distributed? What, what's your process? That kind of stuff. And, um, and I think he, he walked away feeling more confident about what we're doing as collectives and making sure that collectives have a seat at the table, uh, moving forward. And so, um, I, and I'll tell you, I think the, the most interesting thing to me was of the, of the folks we met with. You can definitely tell the difference between who's a college football fan or who's a college sports fan and who's not. <laughs> right. Because, because, you know, and Senator Graham's a good example. Senator Manchin was a good example. We met, we met with the deputy chief of staff um, of, of another congressman who's a, who's a huge uh, college football fan, uh, member of a booster club at a university. And, I mean, they, they get it. You know, and that was, that was the most surprising thing. Is then, but then all of a sudden, you know, in the hearing, uh, there was a, a, a lady there who – who was a, a member from Congress from Texas, and she didn't even know that TCU was participating in the, in the hearing. So you know, I mean, it, it, it was very different. The folks who were who were who were college athletic fans, they get it. They 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 seem to be a little bit more in favor of what we're doing, understand the process and how, importance of collectives in the role. Um, and there were a couple of people who said, "Do you really want the federal government to get involved?" <laughs> And uh, and so that was a that was an interesting thing because you know in most cases most people are not asking the federal government to get involved they they choose to get involved on their own. If right. you had to take a guess, the percentage of those that do know and those that don't know, what do you think that number would be I, around? I don't know. I mean, of the people we met with, um, I would say that it was probably of the nine representatives we met with, I would say that probably five of them are college like true college athletics fans, and okay. four of them are are not. And that kind of makes a difference, right? I'm oh, absolutely. I mean, it makes know, a difference. If you, if you don't understand. But the, the thing is. But they all vote on it. So that's, that's, that's what that, I'm saying. That, that's right? the biggest so, part. So politically, you're either you feel like you've got to participate or you have to vote. And you're, you're asking people to participate in, in something that they really don't understand. So I, I think the education part that you're talking about is very important. And we've seen it's very important for the public. It's been important for fan bases. Like here at South Carolina. Educating the fan base about NIL, what it is, what it's not, its importance is critical, but same thing with, you know, elected officials, I think. Absolutely. And and with that, and I think it was Senator Cruz that said, you know, there was an optimism about 60 to 40 that something was going to get done, and then the rebuttal to that, somebody else says, well, we're not that optimistic about it. So you're kind of <laughs> having, you know, the uh, opinions from both sides on whether it's going to get done or not. Yeah, I mean, and it's not as much of a partisan issue. Um, I'll I'll say that. I mean, but I think it's a little bit more of can we go back to the college athletics aspect. I think for people that are college sports fans are more in tune with this issue than people are not. And so it's not necessarily a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's more of – now, there are some different priorities amongst the parties for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but it is much more the folks who are college athletics fans, Democrat or Republican, are interested in getting something done. Senator Manchin's a good example, right? Um, you got Senator Manchin and Senator Tuberville who are bo both on different sides of the aisle, but both who care about college sports. Co Senator Manchin um, was a college football player at West Virginia. Uh, coach Tuberville obviously was you know, a longtime SEC head coach. Um, and and so they they care about the sport so that they, they are um, they're more interested. Then you got the person who doesn't care anything about the sport or sports world, and they're they're not in tune to what they think might be next. Yeah, and I think it, here's the thing: it's kind of 
it seems important for the NCAA to try – this is why they've asked the federal government to get involved, you know, because if they cannot – they obviously can't – they do not want to keep going with this current model. It doesn't seem like that's sustainable for the NCAA either. They haven't given a, a centimeter or an inch, and we've seen the direction that it's gone, right? So if, if they can't have the government step in, if that doesn't end up happening – then what are they left with? You know, like it's it's like they've kind of got to go ahead and say, okay, we need to try to get everybody on the same page and create a new model. If not, absent government interference, which seems a little less likely right now in my view, then the the players, the coaches, they're going to dictate the model. Well, and the the hard part is how do you get some government answers without getting too many government answers. And I think that that's the problem that, you know, there there are a couple things that, that specifically we we all support. I think all schools, you know, there needs to be a sports agent registry. Mm-hmm. And there has to be some guidelines as to far as what that, that looks like, you know, just like they have in the NIL, or excuse me, in the NFL, so that, you know, you don't have bad actors. Um, and there have got to be this preemption of state laws, right? You know, in Missouri right now, if you live in Missouri, you commit to the Missouri Tigers, Missouri's collective can go ahead and start paying you as a high school student. We can't do that in South Carolina. We can't interact with, with students until they are on campus um, at the University of South Carolina. And we want to make sure that, that there is a level playing field across the board on, on issues like that. We'll talk a little bit more about that as the uh, Garnet Trust Hour rolls on. Mark Benoit hanging out with us. Here at Goldline Frame in West Columbia, 511 12th Street, going until noon here on the game. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the Gamecocks. 1075. The game. All right. Welcome back in. It is the Garnet Trust Hour here on the game. Tyler West and Chris broadcasting live out of Goldline Framing. 511 12th Street in West Columbia going to be hanging out here until noon. Mark Benoit hanging out with us talking a lot about NIL. Real quickly though, I want to remind you about the Lawyer Lease Special Teams Touchdown Contest which rolls over into another week of South Carolina. Still looking for that first special teams touchdown of the season and if they get it this weekend against Mississippi State, you could win $400 on a gift card come Monday morning when Bill and Preston announce a winner live on the air if, again, South Carolina scores a special teams touchdown this weekend against Mississippi State. Head on over to 1075thegame.com each and every week to register for your chance to win the Lawyer Lisa Special Teams Touchdown Contest. Uh, Mark, you mentioned this right before the break. What's going on in Missouri with their no NIL law that allows high school recruits that have committed to in-state universities to con- to start receiving benefits um, as soon as they sign the in- the national letter of intent. Is that correct? I I think it might even be before Maybe they it's sign before that. I think it's before they even sign the national letter of intent. Regar- I'm not 100% sure. But. Regardless, they can start benefiting while they're still in high school before they even get to these universities correct. once they're committed to them. That is one of the newer wrinkles as far as these individual state laws go. Is that going to kind of become, because we know what happened in Texas a couple of months back, is that going to be kind of kind of become the new arms race with this, like every state trying to one-up each other? Like, well, if you do this, we're going to do this and this and so on and so forth. Well, I think that's a big part of why we why we were in, in Washington, D.C. this week is we want some kind of, at least I think we are all in agreement that there needs to be some kind of federal law that, that avoids this preemption from state laws that that you know there is a little bit of a level playing field amongst all of of the states. I mean because 
Let me tell you, I don't think it's a coincidence, and Chris, you're a recruiting expert, so you might know better than me, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Missouri's going to sign two five-stars this year uh, when this law is is newly in place. Yeah, William Stwery, uh was just re-ranked as, by own three, as the number one player in the country for right. the 2024 class, and obviously him being in the state of Missouri, I, I think, look, cr- I mean, honestly, credit to University of Missouri. No, oh, credit and, to University and, of Missouri, and, Coach Trinkwitz, yeah, all and the above. and their legislature because they kind of had the foresight to say okay this thing's been all over the place right there was a race and i'll get to the point but there was a race when nil went live in the summer of 2021 to okay we need to pass the state laws so that we can participate then after that there's a race of all these are different let's get rid of our law right and now some have seen okay nothing has happened at the federal level nothing's happened at the ncaa level the NCAA kind of seems toothless, powerless to be able to do everything. Hey, let's make some new laws. And so that's what, you know, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, some of these other places have done. And so they kind of had the foresight to think, okay, what can we do to gain a competitive advantage with NIL? We have some big-time guys in our own state. Let's craft this law that, that can really help us. And so they've done that. And you're right, no, absolutely no coincidence at all there. So I think – you know, these smart institutions and leaders will find ways to, you know, continue doing this. And right now in the state of South Carolina, I mean, high school kids are not allowed to, you know, cash in, so to speak, on, on their NIL as high school kids. Some some other states have done it, like Missouri. Uh, some other ones have had those conversations and it may be moving in that direction. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not against South Carolina doing something like that and obviously our legislature comes back into session in january so that might be something we we talk about when we get closer to to that point um but i do think that uh that you know that we've got to be forward thinking in in our in our planning that was from a legal perspective Mm -hmm. so when they come back into session in january let's say that south carolina wants to do exactly what missouri has done with allowing the high schoolers to benefit once they commit to in-state institutions what's the time frame for something like that coming to be Realistically, probably uh, April-ish. Okay, so relatively quickly. Yeah, so they're only in session from January to about the middle of May. Okay. So um, anything that, that gets done, um, and it, ha- it has to, because it's an election year in 2024, it will have to get done that year or else you start all over again in, in January. Um, but uh, you could get something, you could realistically get something started in January and passed by April. I want to go back to some of the stuff in, in D.C. and kind of the national picture of NIL, but let's let's zoom into here at South Carolina uh, real quick. Since we had you on last, uh, I know we've talked a few times uh, about just what's going on in the NIL landscape here in Columbia. It seems like things are going quite well. There's been a really good response lately. Yes, I mean we we have we have we have really football season has been a been a great blessing for us. We've done um, outstanding, obviously. Um, we are p- proud of our partnership with the university as the official NIL collective um, and being able to have that activation at the games. Uh, I'm sure a lot of fans saw that Coach Beamer uh, did a commercial uh, during in between shows in between the first and second quarter. Um, we're great for, grateful for that um, and a couple of different QR code activations during during the game. Um, and then obviously the, the university has been great about sending out emails and, and stuff of that nature to, to support us. How much of an uptick is there with people's interested in NIL once football season does start uh definitely more i could tell toward the end of august you know that folks were starting to think about it. i mean july and august were are definitely slow periods of time for fundraising in general 
um, just people are vacationing. They're 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 not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, it's like school gets back in. You know, they're like, oh, we got to pack the tailgate. We're going to, you know, we're going to um, going to the game. But I mean, I could even tell we we had a we had a meeting a couple weeks ago in Greenville with uh, some donors um, and folks who had not really even seemed interested at all earlier in the year came to the meeting and were able to, to contribute to Garnet Trust. And so um, I think that that having that a little bit and you, to be honest with you. I could not think of a better time to be kind of doing this. I mean, you see what Florida State has done. Obviously, I think, you know, I remember my my dad calling me on on the Monday after the Florida State game and being like, I mean, this is a selling point, right? You know, yeah. they they have they have gone heavy into the NIL space. They've gone heavy into the transfer portal space. Um and and right now they're on track to 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 go to the college football playoff. If, if it were, you know, if they were picked today, they're top four team. Um, you know, hopefully they keep that momentum going and we'll see long-term where that works. Obviously what's happening at Colorado, um, they, you know, they went from one win last year. They've already, they're starting out three and oh, I think they're going to, they're going to hit a little bit of a tough stretch here in the next couple weeks, but I, I think they've got some of the talent to compete. Um, and NIL is a part of, I mean, there's a big reason why they have that kind of talent. Well, and I think it's interesting to look back now, and we have the benefit of hindsight to say, you know, oh, I told you so, you know, but there are a lot of predictions about NIL where it's, number one, it was, um, oh, well, well, people aren't going to watch anymore, you know, and, and the NCAA, one of their attorneys even argued in a courtroom, he, he had some study saying that if a, if a kid got an academic award, some percentage of people said they would be inclined to not watch anymore. It's obviously completely bogus. The, the ratings are sky high. You've got Dion, who's been on the forefront of this kind of new era, this representation of kind of the NIL era, and people are tuning in in droves. They love it. It's bringing new people to college football. Game Saturday is one of the most viewed games on ESPN. There were 9.5 million people that watched a game that started at 10 o'clock at night against Colorado and Colorado State. Right. Not even two name brands. It's not like Deion Sanders went to Bama. Right. Right. I mean, and, and so it's absolutely bananas. So that's obviously thrown out the window. The, the other, another narrative among many that we heard about NIL is, well, it's just going to be rich gets richer. Right. We've seen the most. We were talking about this last hour. We don't even know who's good in college football this year. There is more parity in college yeah. football than there has been in 20 years, and NIL is 100, percent you know, a, a driving factor in that. I'm not saying it's the only factor. Obviously, the transfer portal is important, um, but I mean NIL is a huge factor. That no, I couldn't tell you who the top four teams are going to be this year. I think that yeah. that that Georgia could lose, Texas could lose, Florida State could lose. Um, who else we got? Oregon could lose. I mean, you just go down the line. I mean, and there are. Uh, there is not a – I mean, Ohio State could lose. They, they, they've struggled a little bit Michigan. in some of the games. Michigan, yeah, Michigan right? I mean, you, I mean you've got, you know, Oklahoma. I mean, you could just go down the list that they're all, they're all good competitive. But isn't that what we want? And as, yes. and, as, and as South Carolina fans, I think that this is a – specifically going into 2024, you have a 12-team playoff. Um, you have an opportunity to continue to grow your the the Garnet Trust and our NIL involvement. Um, we we are building on on some special stuff. I think kids want to come play for Coach Beamer. It it, it really is is lining up a lot to be a, a good place for South Carolina. Yeah, and I, um, and I think that we have to make sure the fan base knows that. Yeah, and I've, I mean you hear fans a lot over the years saying, "Gosh, you almost feel just stuck because you've got School A who has." you know, a huge trophy case and lots of money and the name brand. And so when NIL launched, I specifically remember, again, summer of 2021, some of us that were talking about NIL at that point said, man, this this might could be like an entry point for a school like South Carolina if you use it to your advantage. And so um, 
I, I think we've seen some pockets of that, right? Like some flashes of being able to do some really good things here in, in recruiting the transfer portal, you know, with NIL as a component in addition to, you know, the coaching staff and academics and development, location, all those things. NIL is an important component of it. But I, I feel like, man, we got now plenty of evidence that is helping drive parity and you can use it to your advantage, you know, as a as a school to, you know, turn yourself around pretty quickly if you do it the right way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, we, we have got to continue to build on some momentum. Um, but but I think that schools or are, are, are players are realizing that South Carolina could be a destination place. And, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I read a stat the other day. Um, and I know we got to go to break, but I read a stat the other day that said, you know, traditionally there are 10 to 12 teams that sign five-star players. Mm -hmm. And now in the space of NIL, that number's really growing to even more than, you know, it's yeah. probably going to be this year and probably maybe the 18 range. There, there are 32 five-star players. You're going to have 18, you're going to have 18 schools that sign a five-star. And that is, I mean, that's, that last year was 15. So normally it's, normally it's in the 12 range. Last year was already 15. This year's going to be closer to 18. And I think that that is, you know, that just shows that the talent is diversifying a little bit and, you know, Alabama and, and Georgia can't just hold a ton of five-star players. Right. We'll continue our conversation with Mark Benoit again broadcasting live from Goldline Framing, 511 12th Street in West Columbia. Going until noon, it's the Garnet Trust Hour here on The Game. 107.5 The Game On Demand Podcast Menu. Sponsored by Lexington Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. If you're dealing with injuries or pain, our team is here to get you better soon. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. You're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. All right, welcome back in. It is the Garnet Trust Hour here on The Game, again broadcasting live out of Goldline Frame in West Columbia, 511 12th Street, broadcasting until noon. Myself, Wes, and Chris hanging out with Mark Benoit here for today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. It is a home game week. That means we like to give away tickets here on 107.5 The Game, sponsored by our friends over at Carolina Honda Powerhouse. And I believe Josh has informed me we have some tickets here to give away two pairs of tickets. You can come down to Gold Line Framing in West Columbia, 511 12th Street. Before we get out of here, first come, first serve. Claim yourself a pair of tickets Ooh. to a future game this season for the Gamecocks. So again, hanging out at 511 12th Street, Gold Line Framing in West Columbia. Getting back into our conversation about NIL, and, you know, Mark, you talked about just coming back from Washington this morning. Next year being an election year, how much does that change the timeline and the conversations being had about trying to get things done with NIL? Well, if you want to get something done, you know, I'd say that you got to you gotta shoot to get, have it done before November of next year um, just because – and. And it does, like I said, it's not really a partisan issue, but it's so much that you don't know what the Congress looks like, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the entire uh, Congress is up for re-election next year. The you know the half of the Senate's up for re-election next year, and obviously the president's up for re-election. So, you know, right now that's the hard part. It's like, well, you could get a could you get a bill passed through the House that won't get 60 votes in the Senate? Could you get a vote that get our ability get 60 votes in the Senate that couldn't get you you know get it passed through the House? 
and then would the pre president sign it? I mean, you know, I think that's a, I mean, that's that's the fight that lobbyists have to deal with every day. Um, but I do think that uh, that's the hard part. Is you, it, now that it couldn't happen after that, you just don't know what Congress looks like and what their priorities are after that as well. Do you think this will reach? Um, will we hear anything during the presidential race? Like, will this leak up into that? Is it? It seems like a smaller priority to me. Yeah, I don't. Well, and I don't listen, think I mean, we get there. Candidates talk about issues that drive people to the polls, and I don't think anybody. I don't. I don't think anybody is going to the polls uh, to vote because of an NIL issue. Well, it seems it like, depends on what state you're in. Yeah, it, it seems like the reason that this has gotten into Congress is because of just some of those, you know, political connections and things where. NCAA is lobbying Congress. Right. Hey, please address this and say, okay, oh yeah, we do need to do something about this, as opposed to it being kind of a real tangible issue. I mean, it won't be the first time that Congress plays around with an issue that isn't really that important. Um, but I, I was just curious with your political background on your take, or you know, are we going to be watching a presidential debate on national television and one of them says we don't need to be paying players? You know, I, right. I, just, I didn't think so, but no, I don't. I don't think so. I think really and truly, whoever the president is. Um, would you know if the majority of Congress passed it? I think that they would they would probably sign it. So there's some other important uh, things going on nationally. So you've got like the House versus NCAA here, and you've got you know a, for, a former player basically seeking back pay and then revenue sharing. You got you know the uh, national relations national I'll spit it out national labor relations board complaint against uh, Southern Cal, the Pac-12, NCAA. You saw a Dartmouth team has unionized now. So what what do you think the next step is? Um, let's say Congress does not do anything, either opts not to, can't do, what, however, whatever form that happens. Are we going to kind of stay on the path we're on and then add in some additional elements like revenue sharing, for instance? I, I think all of, all of that is on the, on the table. I think the biggest thing that we have to avoid is that, you know, we, and we're advocating for uh, in Congress is that the college athletes cannot become employees. You know, and that's you dealt with the you talked about the NLRB or you talked about Dartmouth unionizing. You know, that's that's the way that some of these you know courts and 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 boards and states may want to go. Um, but that is there. I think I heard the number that if employees, if if states started employing college athletes, college athletes became employees, then there are only thirty five schools in America that have the revenue to be able to actually make that happen. And I think the Gamecocks are there. Uh, we're close. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have some of the SEC uh, revenue, uh, but it's pretty much the SEC and the Big Ten, and maybe a couple of schools in the ACC, and uh, and then you are, and maybe maybe a Big Twelve school or two. There are thirty-five schools that could actually stay in business. That's roughly half the Power Five. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. that's a pretty absurd number to think about. So when we're talking about some of the alarmist stuff about NIL killing college athletics, that is actually one of the things that could do it. Right. You know, and that's the problem that I think people don't realize is somebody says, well, we're taking the amateurism out of sports. Well, let me let me go ahead and ex and and put it out there that amateur sports in college don't exist without college football. Because of the amount of revenue that it generates, um, and you know, at South Carolina, uh, our revenue generating sports are are football and men's basketball. I think baseball breaks even, um, or pretty close. Um, but outside of that, none of the other sports are profitable. Um, Just crazy because we have one of the 
the best women's basketball. Yeah, and I mean, and I, listen, I, I will think I do think that down the road women's basketball probably does become profitable at South Carolina mm-hmm. um, because of the TV contracts, and I think that more eyes are watching uh, women's basketball, and I think ESPN and ABC have done a great job of of broadcasting that stuff. Um, so as TV contracts become bigger for women's basketball stuff, I do think that eventually you get to a point where women's basketball is, but but. You know, if you want to get if you want to get rid of or you want to say NIL is ruining college football, then you might as well you know say that that it's going to ruin every other of the 19 sports in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, because if you can't have football, you're not going to be able to have any of the other things. So how how do you like what is the balance? What is the compromise between not having athletes be classified as employees, but also you know keep collectives? Like some people have said, get rid of collectives, which to me I don't. Si- I don't even know how that's legally possible. I don't. It's not my opinion that it is possible. I don't think it is a private business, where you've got some nonprofits that operate in that space. Uh, but if you if you have revenue sharing, if you have some model of collective bargaining, is it just within some type of NCAA or conference framework, where basically, hey, if you play an NCAA sport or an SEC sport, whatever it may be. You know, hey, you get this revenue share is just kind of what you agree to. Like, yeah, and I mean, w- that some folks have talked about revenue sharing. I think it would be hard. It would have to probably come from the conference level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it couldn't go through the school um, because yeah. obviously funds can't transfer to the school. But there is, right. you know, maybe that is okay. Each school designate, designates a collective. The conference dishes out let's call it ten percent of the TV revenue to the collectives. The collectives then work with the schools to to make sure that that money is distributed, you know, properly. That makes sense. Okay, so you mentioned that one of the things that y'all are talking with folks, including Congress, about is the whole issue of employee versus non-employee. From your perspective, helping run Garnet Trust, fundraising for Garnet Trust, what would be on your wish list of of things going forward that you would like to see happen in this space? As far as uh, congressional or, like, legality? No, just general. Like, generally, what would you like to see or what would you like to see happen? What would you like to not see? Happen? I mean, I, 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 we have listen. We have got to think about protecting the student athlete. We have got to make sure that student athletes have the same rights and and protections that any other either employee or student would. You know, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, well, they shouldn't be able to transfer after one year. Well, guess what? You could go to a different college once every four years, you know, or a different school every every year for four years and still graduate. And so we have to make sure we keep something like that in place in protecting the student-athletes. Um, I'm a big believer. I want to get rid of this preemption of state laws, right? You know, I think that we've got to have some kind of level playing field as far as that goes. Um, and we've got to figure out a way to, to keep bad actors out of out of the game you know garnet trust we we do things the right way um 90 percent of our dollars go to the student athlete um but there are uh there are instances where you have you know someone who influences a kid to get in the transfer portal because he thinks he can get a deal at another school they get in the transfer portal and then they never even get a scholarship offer from and much less an nil deal they never yeah. get a scholarship offer right. from the from another school and so so you you got it but i do think the market corrects itself because i think you know if uh, X player leaves the the year before and he goes in the portal thinking he can go make more money and then he doesn't get a job then or he doesn't get picked up by a school then uh, then it teaches the rest of the players on the team the grass is not always greener on the other side um, so and then you know so sports agent registry you make sure that they are you know make sure that we aren't aren't allowing them to be employees um, those are and then the preemption of state laws those are kind of my top three things I think 
you know, I would want if I could draw up a perfect scenario. We'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. Coming up next, we are broadcasting live at a gold line framing in West Columbia going until noon here on The Game. All right, welcome back in. It is the Garnet Trust Hour broadcasting live out at gold line framing, West Columbia, 511 Charles Street, going strong for another hour going up until 12 myself Wes and Chris coming up next of course Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs a couple more minutes ago here in the Garner Trust Hour though with Mark Benoit and, and uh, Chris you were just bringing up a point there in the uh, in the commercial break about where South Carolina is kind of falling relative to some of these other schools that you were talking about earlier the the Florida States the Colorado's some of these other schools that are seeing a lot of success from not only the transfer portal but also things going on with NIL as well yeah, it's a question that we get actually a lot, Mark, like from Gamecock fans on Gamecock Central. You know, hey, th- this school's doing this. Look at what Florida State's done. Look at these schools, some of the Blue Bloods or some of the schools that have been, you know, Missouri, you know, that, that you were talking about earlier, being able to go out and land some big-time guys in state. So in your view, you know, I know you've been talking to a lot of collectives lately. You're in the collective association. Where is South Carolina relative to them? Uh, we are – I would say closer to the bottom than we are the top, mm-hmm. um, but we're getting better. I think then that's you know that's the biggest thing is that we we you know, we, we are probably a little bit of a year behind um, some of these other schools, um, but I I don't necessarily think that that's a, a horrible thing because I do think that uh, we can learn from some of the mistakes that other schools make and kind of you know we're, we're preparing a, a more sustainable model. I think I think a lot of these other schools had a lot of folks drop in a lot of cash in the beginning and and then you know they've kind of gone back and said. Well, you know, I can't give you that every year, right? I give you a million bucks the first year to get started. I can't give you a million dollars every single year. Um, and so uh, I think that's really helpful from us is that we're, we are working uh, to grow our membership, to, to go meet with folks, you know, to do partnerships with businesses that make it a much more sustainable model. And like I said, it really set – I think we're setting ourselves up to be, you know, to be in a good spot in 2024 uh, from a from an on-the-field perspective, but also an NIL perspective. And it's probably not easy to know necessarily the number of figures that some of these other collectors around the country are pulling in. How do you kind of gauge where you stand against them in that way? Uh, I mean, you, you some of them will put out press releases and say they've you know done deals for X number of dollars and, mm-hmm. and, and done deals with X number of athletes. I mean, and that that would be I will I will tell you. I mean, we are as competitive as anybody in the number of athletes that we have worked with. Um, you know, uh, Ohio State, uh, Tennessee, Florida State, South Carolina. I mean, they relative to how many athletes they have on you know scholarship athletes they have on campus across all sports. Um, we are as competitive as as any person in the conference. Um, you know, it's hard to know dollar figures of what those deals are, um, but you know sometimes sometimes. Uh, schools can over over or collectives can overpay for for an athlete sometimes too. So more money is not always the answer. I mean, we've saw at Texas A&M, for example, um, you know, the number that was reported that they they spent in the 2022 year was around nine and a half million dollars. I think that they actually only they spent it up a, a less than that, a closer to about five million. But I mean, that means they spent a million dollars a game. <laughs> they, they won five games last year. They spent a million dollars a win last year. So so more money is not always the the more more money always helps. But more money is not always the right answer. More money, more problems sometimes. That's right. Yeah. So I'm I'm intrigued by the collective association, right, because, uh, what, 21 schools now? Yes. Um, this is an area where, 
you would think in some regards that maybe some of these collectives are kind of hiding info from each other and and it's competitive right they all represent a school and all these schools are trying to beat each other so what was kind of the purpose in in gathering these these groups together well listen we we competing against each other on the field, yeah. But we're not competing against dollars for each other, typically. That's right. Um, you know, you're still going to your fan base, your 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 donor base, um, and you know, we don't really talk about we talk about best practices of how to run a collective, and and how to fundraise for a collective. But we're not necessarily saying, okay, well, you know, Florida State, you took Jaheim Bell from us. What'd you, what'd you pay him? How'd you get him to do that? <laughs> right? I mean, whatever, man. I mean, there's there's not. I mean, you know, Jaheim chose to go into the transfer portal. And, and Florida State was an option for him. It wasn't like the, the collective was poking around saying, oh, well, what's going to trust paying? And we can try to get him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there isn't that kind of, you know, I mean, we, 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 we collaborate and we try to figure out what, um, what, what's working at other schools, what's not working at other schools. And, I mean, that's a, a good learning opportunity for us. And then also having a trade association type group that can go advocate as a group, you yeah. know. You know, Mark Benoit and Garnet Trust go into to Washington D.C. to talk to a couple of folks versus a group of people that represent the majority of the Southeastern Conference and the, and a lot of the ACC and some Big Ten schools. I mean, that that makes a much bigger difference than uh, than just a group of you know just one collective going up there by themselves. So I know we do this every time we we have you on, but for people that want to get involved in either Garnet Trust or Garnet Trust Foundation. Tell us how they can find out more information, yes. how they can reach out to you, and, and then, you know, just basically what their dollars could do, what, what their dollars are doing. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are interested in joining Garnet Trust, you can join for as little as $10 a month. You can go to GarnetTrust.com. You can set it up. It will it'll reoccur on your on your card monthly. You know, I think all of us uh, probably have some reoccurring charges on our on our credit card that we don't really know where it comes from. Um, so what's another 25 bucks to, to the Garnet Trust? Um, if you're interested in making a larger gift, Garnet Trust Foundation, uh, you know, is 100% tax deductible, 501c3. Um, you know, on the on the Garnet Trust side, 90% of the money goes directly to the athlete. 10% helps cover overhead. On the foundation side, 70% of it goes to to an athlete. 20% of it goes to a charity. Um, you know, because that that helps us obviously, you know, bring our bring more uh, light to our charities in the in the Columbia area. And then 10% helps cover overhead. Um, we we are very pleased to be working with a lot of great charities a lot of great athletes we've we've done deals with over 125 student athletes at south carolina um that number is going to keep growing as the year goes on um and we're excited for for what we're doing got about a minute and a half here last thing uh first home conference game coming up saturday night against mississippi state how do you see this one shaking out i think the gamecocks win by 10 um, so I'm going to go 34-24 uh, south carolina so covering uh, the spread i think yeah we cover Good teams win, great teams cover, right? That's right, and I, uh, I, I've got a lot of confidence in our team. I think we'll bounce back. Um, the offensive line looked a lot better. Um, Tree Babalade, what a, what a effort by him uh, against a, you know, a top-ranked defensive line. Um, I think that the Gamecocks uh, will, will win. I think we'll, you know, ten points is not necessarily a, a barn burner, but I think we will, uh, I think we will control the game. You've been a South Carolina fan your whole life. Have you ever talked as much about the offensive line as we have this offseason? I probably, you know, it's funny (laughs) that you say that because I I talked to somebody earlier in the year and I said, they said, well, what are you worried about? And I said, you know, I don't know if we have a great offensive line and I don't know if we have a a running game. And and so far that's proved pretty true through three games. But, um, you know, somebody said, well, that's the same old story as usual. So, uh, you know, outside of a couple of, you know, I will say I don't think it's a coincidence that, you had a couple of uh, high-drafted offensive linemen uh, that were on the 2011, 2012, 2013 teams, and you had uh, you know a key in success. I, I, we are we are still a line of scrimmage league, 
uh, in the SEC, and it takes good players to do that. And, and, and NIL is a big part of that. We've got now a new five-star committed, uh, or two, we've got two five-stars committed to the Gamecocks on the offensive and defensive line, um, and we've got to make sure we keep those guys. Absolutely. Well, Mark, thanks so much for hanging out for us. Uh, you're becoming a regular member of the Garnet Trust Hour, so I look forward to seeing you again down the line. All right, sounds good. Thank you all so much. Go Gamecocks. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the game, or the Garnet Trust Hour, excuse me. Coming up next, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, broadcasting live at Gold Line Framing, West Columbia, 511 12th Street, hanging out till noon. Come by and see us here on the game. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.